Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. Won't you please to get your Bible out and uh, turn, if you will, uh, several verses of Scripture we're going to be using this morning, and uh, I trust that all of them will be a blessing to your heart and will encourage you. All right, turn in Romans chapter number 10, please. Romans 10 and verse number 13. Would you stand with me, please? Very simple verse. Most of us have memorized this verse. I uh, use it many, many times in witnessing to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you this morning about salvation and Paul's conviction of salvation. Romans 10 and verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, folk, I don't want you to ever forget that. You, you, need to, you need to hide that verse in your heart and realize this morning that salvation is for everyone. Amen. Doesn't make any difference who you are. Salvation is for everyone. Let's read it again. For whosoever, put your name in there, Bill Burr, Loy Elliott, Brady Kenlaw, Bob Stewart. I mean, anybody's name can go in there. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Our Father, we praise you today for every blessing that we have in Christ Jesus. I pray, dear God, that you might bless abundantly today. Help us, Lord, as we come to you in this hour, that you'd give us the hearts and the minds of the people here. And I pray, dear God, that you would abundantly bless and Lord, for that one that is here today without Jesus Christ, I pray that you might speak to that heart, and I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help and save that one that's nearest hell. In Jesus' name we ask it, amen and amen. Now you may be seated. <clears throat> the book of Acts is a book of action. We're studying Acts now on Wednesday night. And uh, this week, I believe, we'll be going in probably into the third chapter. But the first chapter in the book of Acts deals with the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then the second chapter contains the, uh, the marvelous account of the day of Pentecost and the empowering of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter number three uh, deals with a lame man that is healed uh, at the gate of the of the temple there, and um, uh, then the uh, in chapter number four, this is one of uh, Peter's sermons, and it offends the uh, priest and the rulers. And in this chapter, you'll find a, a a favorite verse of many people. It says, "Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved." In Acts chapter four and verse number twelve. 
In Acts chapter number 5, you'll find the story uh, concerning Ananias and Sapphira. They're uh, stricken dead for lying to the Holy Ghost. And uh, uh, in the 6th chapter, you'll find uh, Stephen, one of the first deacons, his own trial. In the 7th chapter, you'll read his message in the account of the stoning of this uh, uh, man of God by the name uh, of, uh, of Stephen. And then he, he was the first martyr, by the way. In the eighth chapter, you'll have the ministry of Philip uh, mentioned here, uh, who was another deacon. And then in the ninth chapter, you'll come to the uh, 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 marvelous, wonderful conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Now, I want to say to you today that we're going to be dealing with a theme this morning that ought to be most precious to everyone in this room. It's precious to all the world, and that's the theme of salvation. The theme of salvation is avoided by most of the liberal preachers of our day. The theme of salvation is avoided on most radio and television program. If you'll notice that most of the television preaching today labors more and centers more on the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Uh, rather than on the salvation message concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, most people today avoid the doctrine and the uh, truth concerning salvation as if it was poison, as if it was a plague. It's a, a theme that is perverted by many of the religionists of, of our day. This is a, a, the theme of salvation has been perverted and the theme of salvation has been watered down to a accommodate the folk of our day. This theme has been uh, disguised by the world. Oh, they talk about it. You'll find worldly people and worldly so-called Christians out here that will talk about salvation. But Brother Frank, they have disguised it to such a way that it doesn't even resemble what the Bible has to say about uh, salvation. It is hidden by most of the modern theologians of our day. And the politi politicians wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Now, they'll talk about everything else. If you want to, uh, my daughter came in the other day and was going to write a paper and did write a paper, part of it. She has half of it to go. But she is to write the, uh, the differences between uh, Dukakis and uh, uh, Bush. And uh, she's to tell about uh, the man that she uh, would vote for. And then she's to tell about these men and what they stand for. And uh, boy, I tell you what, she, she wrote a good paper. She, uh, uh, she talked about uh, abortion. She talked about the death penalty. She talked about uh, the, uh, uh, the military of our nation. She talked about experience and uh, uh, the fact that one man has been experienced more than the other in national affairs. And she talked about uh, foreign policy. I, I believe I'm grooming a daughter back here. I believe it's going into politics. She did such a good job on that. But you know, uh, in all of her writings and everything that I can gather and read in the newspapers concerning these men, I don't see where they say anything about their salvation experience and how they stand with God. I'm saying, listen, this uh, uh, doctrinal truth of salvation is hidden by most people in this day. Now, I want to talk about Paul's conviction of salvation. By the way, he was a man of conviction. I like what Brother... Lloyd prayed a while ago in his prayer. He said, I thank God for a preacher that uh, 
uh, preaches it like it is and tells what's on his heart and in his mind. And uh, boy, I'd hate to have a preacher that had to come out on Sunday morning and check the congregation over to see uh, what he was able to preach on and what he couldn't preach on because certain people were in the congregation. I like uh, scattergun preaching. I like the kind of uh, preaching like uh, Dr. John R. Rice used to come out. Man, he'd just take an old scattergun and, and just begin to pump that gospel lead, and he didn't care who it hit or where it went, you see. And Paul was a man like that. Paul was a man full of conviction. Paul, Paul had conviction about uh, how you ought to live after you get saved. Amen. I, I believe it's important. Paul had convictions about heaven. Paul had convictions about hell. Paul had convictions about the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was a man of conviction. And this morning we're going to talk about his conviction of uh, salvation. Now, in the book of Acts, uh, uh, also in chapter number 7, would you turn there please, the book of Acts in chapter number 7 please. Um, this is talking about Stephen and uh, we're going to look at verse number uh, 54. This first martyr for uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, it says, when, these heard, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What a mighty vision God gave to Saul concerning uh, uh, Jesus Christ and, and the death of one of the children of God. I don't think he could ever get it out of his mind. I believe everywhere he went, this vision that God gave him concerning the death of, of, uh, of this child of God by the name of Stephen. I don't believe he ever lost, saw, I lost consciousness of this vision. I, he saw the power of salvation through Jesus Christ in this one called Stephen. Now, quite often God gives a vision. Listen to me. Listen to me. Some of you miss things that are important, and I want you to get this. Many, many times God gives a vision, if you please, in the life of another individual so that you can get a glimpse of salvation. Now, let me go back in my own life and in my own experience. When I met Mrs. Burr, Patsy, I was lost as Hogan's goat. I don't know how lost Hogan's goat is, but I've heard for years that he's lost. And I, I was as lost as Hogan's goat. I knew nothing about the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in the Navy. I was on a, 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 a bus and going back to Norfolk, Virginia, she got on the bus, and we um, uh, uh, met on the bus. 
I didn't have on a uniform. I've often said probably if I had on a uniform, she wouldn't have had anything to do with me. I was very deceitful, um, uh, very subtle. She says, amen, still is. But no, no, I, I was very deceitful then. I, I disguised my actions. I, I didn't let her know that I was a lost man. And uh, I met her, had a cup of coffee with her. I called her on the telephone, arranged a, a meeting with her and a date. And, and uh, I, uh, I finally uh, talked her into marrying me. That was very difficult. I, I dated her five times and married her. And um, uh, she fell for me head over heels. I mean that. I, I believe the first time that I, I, I saw it, I believed that I could have said, hey, come on, uh, Mrs. Bur oh, Patsy. I said, come on, get in the car, and we're going to go get married. And uh, no, I, I'm, I'm sincere with you. I believe it was love at first sight for both of us. I mean that. I don't, I don't recommend it. Uh, I don't recommend uh, to, to my young people. I say, hey, uh, go together for a long time. For my daughter, I've said I've said uh, ten years for her to be engaged uh, a long, long time, and then uh, finally, after many, many years, uh, she can get married if they'll put it in writing that he'll live in this house behind the church here or somewhere in this vicinity. Now, I think you ought to get to know one another, but I was I was very deceptive with her, and she married me. I was a lost man. I'm not going into all of my uh, sinful escapades, but uh, my wife lived before me. I saw something different in her life. And I, um, uh, she used to tell me about when she got saved. She told me about uh, the preacher, A.W. Eichard, preaching on uh, uh, the three Hebrew children in a fiery furnace. She talked about uh, the Lord Jesus in that furnace with them. And it was very real to her. And she'd get so excited, she said that night, I, I could almost see in my mind those three Hebrew children in that furnace. And I, I would laugh at her, Brother Lee. I said, oh, that's foolishness. I said, you can't, you can't see anything like that in your mind. I kept looking at her and watching her. We went to their home, and uh, I would go to the table back then. That was a long time ago. All the children were at home. We'd get around the table. Her, her dad would uh, led the singing in the church house. Uh, uh, they discussed the Bible. Men would, uh, another man would come. They'd talk about the Bible on Sunday afternoon and talk about things of God. And I, I noticed they were different from my family. And uh, I saw something different in her life and in the lives of those children, that mama and that daddy. And through God allowing me to see this, just as he uh, allowed Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus, to see uh, Stephen being stoned to death. And that made an impression upon that man. He never was able to get it out of his mind. And bless your heart, I was never able to get away from the testimony of W.D. Payton and his family and my wife and the influence that they had upon me. And finally, I came to a place where I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's why, listen to me, beloved, it is so important for you to live for God. Somebody's watching your life. Everybody... Everybody, listen to me this morning, ought to live for God every day of your life. I'm telling you this morning, you ought to live every day of your life for the Lord Jesus Christ because people are looking at you. You need constant vigilance. You need separation in your life every day because you may have an influence to the saving power of God 
on somebody else's life. I've met Lee Robinson. I've met uh, R.G. Lee. I mean, these were giants for God. But I'm telling you this morning, by constant observation, living in the same house, sleeping in the same bed, eating at the same table, seeing our good times and bad times, I've never met a better Christian than my wife. And it was through her testimony and through her life and through her constant living for God and through all the temptations that came away. She stood for God over the years. And I want to tell you something, folks. That's important. That's important. I've never heard my wife take the Lord's name in vain. I mean, I've seen her hit her finger, stump her toe. I've seen her break uh, uh, fine crystal. I've seen her, I, I, I see her all the time. I've never heard her swear and take God's name in vain. I see her read her Bible. I see her live for God. I want to tell you something, friend. That means something. That means something. I believe it's because of her and her dedication and her constant vigilance of her life day in and day out. That, that's why I'm saved today. Paul had a vision. And then I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about Paul's salvation. In Acts chapter number 9 begins, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. Now I want to pause for just a moment and take a look at this man, Saul of Tarsus. Now I want you to think about his religion, first of all. The Bible says he was circumcised uh, the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee. Listen, he, he had a religion. No doubt about that. He had a religion. But his religion made him behave in a very strange way. And then I want you to think about his wickedness. When Saul of Tarsus is first mentioned in the Bible, he's mentioned in a way of destroying uh, Christians and, and putting them to death. In fact, he had, he had letters in his hand and was on the road to Damascus to bring Christians back in chains and, and see them put to death also. And uh, he, was, he was a man who was, who was very, very wicked. He was against these, uh, uh, this new Christianity. He, he couldn't understand men like Peter and James and John and Andrew and these men who were humble uh, fishermen. Paul was a very educated man and uh, a man who was steeped in religion and yet these men, these new Christians were coming on the scene and they were speaking as prophets of God and proclaiming the truth of God's word and Paul just couldn't understand that and the Bible says he, he breathed out threatenings against the children of God. Sometimes folk have a difficult time understanding how God can use just humble everyday and uh, there, listen there's no limit to what God can do with a man like that and just dedicated to God but see just a humble man God lifts him up picks him up 
uses them for God's glory and a lot of folk can't understand that sometimes. I've seen men who have gone to school and trained themselves and, and couldn't preach their way out of a paper bag. And I, I've seen other men get up that uh, uh, couldn't use proper English and murder the king's English and brother, they could preach down the glory of God. I mean it. Amen. Sometimes it's hard to understand men like that. A man by the name of Henry Drummond, one of England's great men. You need to read about Henry Drummond. Get your history book out and read about him. But by his own testimony, he said that D.L. Moody had uh, more influence on him than all of the universities and colleges uh, uh, that he attended. He was a humble preacher that had an influence on his life. Henry Ward Beecher, one of the most versatile men of his day, his intellect was so great and his power of speech was so fluent that they called him the Shakespeare of the modern pulpit. And yet, in one of his sermons, Henry Ward Beecher said that a humble black preacher had more influence on his life by a message that he preached for the glory of God than anything that he'd ever learned in any school that he'd ever attended. So uh, Paul, he, he was a man who had great wickedness. He was a man who was steeped in religion. And then his shocking experience. Listen, Paul was on the road to Damascus. He, he saw a light. He heard a voice. And the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he goes on. And, and uh, uh, finally Saul says, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Brother, that's where every one of us have to come to. We have to come to that place where God is first in our lives. And by the way, this is the... The theme, this humble submission of the Apostle Paul, this is what characterized his entire ministry. And then he was transformed. Praise God. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Listen, his salvation experience was sudden and sure. Amen? We talked about uh, uh, Paul and his vision of salvation. We talked about Paul and his salvation experience. Now I want to give you Paul's single message of grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was saved and he was called. The Bible says he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Now listen to me. Listen. Any man that is going to be successful in the pulpit, in the ministry of God, must be called to preach. You don't go into the ministry as a profession. You don't do that. You don't go into the ministry as a vocation. You don't do it as a sideline. I've known preachers before for years and years. I know a man right now. I know a man right now that has the ability to preach and I, I, I no doubt about it whatsoever, but he will not move and do what God would have him do. He hangs on to a job. He won't let go. 
He doesn't see how that he can make it. Listen, uh, this preaching to me is not a, a vocation. This preaching to me is not a sideline that I went in just to make some mad money. I mean, listen, this is my life. This is my call. This, I, I, I can't do anything else and be happy at it. I, I've tried everything under the sun. I tried selling insurance like starved to death. I tried selling Bibles one time. I was a good conversationalist. I can carry on a good conversation, but I couldn't sell Bibles. I like starved to death selling Bibles. And I, I'm just telling you, if you can do anything else, do it, bless your heart. But I can't because God has called me and God has placed his hand upon me. And I believe that any man who's called of God, God will take care of him. And God will supply every need that you had. Now, when Paul got saved, now listen, there was no doubt about the content of the message of the Apostle Paul. Now, uh, his single message was Christ and Him crucified. Amen. Nothing else. Just get back to that. Everything centered on the fact of Christ being crucified, dead, and buried his ascension, his coming again. I mean, all of the doctrinal truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, over half of the New Testament written by this one man, the Apostle Paul. And I'm telling you, the central message of, his, of him was that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen to these verses. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That was the message that Paul preached. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is what Paul preached. The Bible says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's what he preached. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. I'm saying the central theme of his message was salvation in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, not of works lest any man should boast. The Bible says who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sin. Hey, listen. Paul said you're saved and saved one way. And that's by the grace of God and through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He could shout to the whole world, bless your heart, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul had conviction about salvation. Paul had conviction about this book. Amen. You know, there's three things the Bible will do for you, and I'll close and we'll go home. Three things the Bible will do for you. First of all, the Bible, listen to me, it's important, important. You wind up in hell one day, you wish you'd listen. You wind up in sin out there, child of God, you wish you'd listened. It's happening all around us. Sin on every hand, you get tangled up in it. You said, hey, 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 I wish I'd have listened. I wish I'd have paid attention to the preacher. 
You slip off into eternity and, and you go to hell, you'll wish you'd have got saved. You'll pray to get saved. But I'll tell you what, you'll be there for eternity. You better listen to what I have to say this morning. The Bible makes us see ourselves as we are. The Bible says, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. That means every one of us, we're all sinners. No, without exception. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl in this room this morning, we are all sinners. And I'm saying to you, listen, this, this Bible will help you to see yourself as you are. Not what you look like to me. Oh, I look out at you this morning, and you look so nice. I mean, you ladies, you have on beautiful dresses today. I, I, listen. But now, you see, you look nice today. You men, most of you, shaved. <laughs> Guy's getting ready to go deer hunting back here, folks. It's not that he can't afford blades. I mean, Bert said, I'll give you a blade if you're shaved. But no, he's getting ready for the deer hunting season. Somebody asked him the other day, said, hey, look at his beard, I think it's Billy. Said, uh, Brother Guy, you're getting ready. Said, you, you think about going hunting? And Brother Guy said, I think about it all the time. He loves to kill those little deer. You know those little deers? I mean those pretty ones. Got those little white cotton tails that pop up like this, and you see them bouncing through the woods. I mean Bambi. You know who I'm talking about? That's the guy right there that's out to get him. Here's the guy that's out to eat him. When he gets you. Now listen to me. Listen. The Bible lets you see yourself as you are. Secondly, the Bible lets us see our helplessness. We can't help ourselves. The Bible says it is written, There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. Man cannot help himself. You get any help, it'll come from God come from the Lord Jesus Christ. You depend on your good works and you'll die and go to hell. All of our righteousness is, is as a pile of filthy rags in the sight of God. I mean, listen to me. You give money to the Salvation Army, throw your money in. You give, you cut ain't, I started saying ain't Sally's grass, but I've been up do that. Ain't Theodosia. We don't have any Theodosias in here, I don't think. You, you, you cut her grass, widow lady. You do a lot of good things. Good turn for your neighbor. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God says that every one of those things that you do, your self-righteousness is like a pile of filthy rags, a stench in the nostrils of God. You say, I don't like that. Well, take it up with God. I'm saying, listen, the Bible lets you see how you are, what you are, and the Bible lets you know how helpless you are outside of God's grace. And then thirdly, the Bible makes us see our hope. Amen. Christ, the only hope I have. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Listen, God can take your life and turn it around. God's grace. Amen.